Today, I want to talk to us just for a little while on the importance of prayer, the importance of prayer. Um, has anyone in this room ever been hurt by somebody? Is there anybody in this room? I've got a few. Is there anyone in this room that's been angry towards someone? Got a few in this room. Is there anyone in this room that knows what it's like to be lied to? Anybody in this room? Then I'm in the right room. So we're talking about the right thing this morning, prayer, and how that will affect us also, I wanted to make sure that, you know, this message is for you. It's for each one of us. The importance of prayer, whether you just walked through these doors for the first time or you have been coming here for years, prayer is still a vital part of what we do. It is one of our core values. Prayer is our anchor. We say that every week. And so I want us to go on this journey of prayer and I'll have one scripture. We'll pray and then you can be seated and we'll go from there. But I'm just going to pull from Matthew chapter six, verses six and seven. It says, be thou... When thou prayest, enter into thy closet. That means you should have a house, a place of prayer. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Lord, I'm asking you this morning. We've already felt your presence. We know you are in the room. You have manifested yourself today. But God, as we progress through your word, I'm asking you, Lord, that there is a response that comes from your people. There is a challenge that shifts in our lives to where this word that we'll hear, it's your word. These are not my words. These are your words that they'll challenge us as a church and will challenge us as individuals. As we leave these doors, we're going to be stronger in prayer, which will effectively impact our walk with you. In the name of Jesus, we call it to be done Everybody clap your hands and worship him for just a few moments and thank him for the opportunity to hear his word together. You may be seated. On January 12th, 1987, Fall River, Massachusetts at 7 a.m., a call was driven to the Fall River Fire Department. The Kerr Mill, an old textile manufacturing company, which was constructed in the late 1800s, had caught fire. The fire was reported to have started in the boiler room of the thread mill. The outlet wall, the out, outside walls of these buildings, this complex, were constructed of brick, granite, and cinder block. The inner floors were made of wood. These mills mainly produced yarn and cotton. The Industrial Revolution introduced the use of power-driven machinery to manufacturing. This meant that items could be produced in a larger quantity, larger volumes, much quicker. You see, the Quickishan River, which ran through the heart of Fall River, was considered ideal for textile manufacturing because the flow of water was enough to power these mill machines. These machines had a lot of moving parts consisting of wrap beams and harnesses, reeds and rolls. They required a lot of maintenance to keep everything properly greased and oiled. But after a hundred years or so of machine oil seeping into the floors, the mills were a recipe for disaster. See, that fire that began in that boiler room of the first mill in that complex began to gain rapid speed. Most residents within one mile radius of that fire were asked to be evacuated. Others who remained behind tirelessly would hose down their roofs, their siding with water, and attempt to keep their home from catching on fire due to the extreme heat that was produced from the fire at the mill. Within that one mile radius of evacuation, gas and power were cut off from businesses for nearly 24 hours. The fire could be seen for 30 miles. Interstate 195, which is the major artery of the city of Fall River that connected several cities, it was closed for eight hours. Propane explosions within the building shot over 200 feet high. All hands were on deck from the entire city of Fall River fighting this fire. Several neighborhood cities, including Somerset, Dartmouth, New Bedford, Westport, amongst so many others, were dispatched to assist the Fall River Fire Department to fight this fire. There were over 200 firefighters and 28 trucks that battled the fire for hours. After eight hours, the Kermill was finally under control. And after nearly 24 hours, the fire was completely extinguished. 
Six of the eight mills in that complex were destroyed. Eleven businesses within two blocks of the mill complex were lost. This fire displaced 800 workers out of work. Reports up to $50 million in damages. No deaths except one firefighter who was hospitalized for chest pain but was released with a clean bill of health. This fire dominated every news outlet in Fall River, and at times, it would dominate the Boston, the Boston Herald. For months, the city of Fall River reported the trigger effects this fire would have as it faced textile production needs, the unemployment rate that had climbed, environmental cleanup that was needed, and its financial commitment to rebuild this block this textile, and all of those that were unemployed. With all of this information that you have just witnessed behind me, it is no wonder that this fire was a historic fire in our community. I remember as children, my brother and I and my dad and my mom were very connected. This was just several blocks away from where we grew up. And I remember my dad wanting to uh, place these walkways in our yard. And so we would take my dad's 1985 Buick LeSabre, blue two-tone. We would take that with the, if you know those vehicles at all, they had a massive trunk. We would take that vehicle to the Kerr Mill factory where it had been demolished, and we would comb through hundreds of bricks trying to find good, solid bricks that my dad could use to build these pathways. But all of this that you have heard, everything that you have seen, was a fire that was of historic proportion, and it changed that city. But allow me to tell you of another fire that same year, just a few months later. October 20, 1987, just a few months later, the Fall River Fire Department was called to yet another fire. This time, the fire was located at the Roma Coloring Company Mill. As the, fires, as the firefighters pulled up, they could only see smoke. When they arrived on site, they assessed what looked like to be the extent of the fire. They could tell the fire was brewing in parts of the mill, but mostly smoke. They're trained to check every window, look for doorways, and assess. Something that they have done so many times over and over. Firefighters are trained to mark these doorways and windowways. Once they entered, they noticed, though, that these windows were boarded up from the inside. See, this mill was not engulfed in flames. The mill was only overcome with fire. Unlike the Kerr Mill, there was no crazy news over this fire. Like the Kerr Mill, there were no police. There were no city officials. Matter of fact, I looked on the internet and through some sources back home, and all I could find were three pictures of this fire. No videos. No, if you were to Google Kerr Mill, you would see hours and hours of footage caught of the fire. Pictures and pictures, so many that you could pick from that would show you really how vast this fire was. But it took me so long to find three pictures. See, with all of that smoke, the firefighters had a difficult time locating the fire. They would use the exterior walls to guide themselves through the mill. The deeper they made their way into the fire, the quicker they realized that it was getting harder to find an entryway out. They relied on the exterior walls to try to guide them but they relied on their hose as they kept pressing on trying to locate the fire. But once they did locate the fire, they were able to extinguish it relatively quickly. Somewhere along the way, though, Lieutenant Paul Bernard let go of the fire hose, his lifeline. Due to the thick smoke, he had lost where he was, the location. He was spun around, had no idea where he was. And running low on oxygen in his tanks, he began to try to find a window to punch a hole through. But again, when they assessed the exterior, it looked like it was fine because there was no light inside the mill. They couldn't see that because of the reflection of the glass, it was actually boarded from the inside. And so as Lieutenant Bernard ran out of oxygen in his tanks, he never was able to locate a window or an opening to receive oxygen. And on that day, such a tragic loss of a Lieutenant Bernard, all because he left his lifeline. He left the hose. There are two counts on why this is real tragic. Number one, 
you're trained to never leave the hose. But because this firefighter, Lieutenant Bernard, had been involved in so many other fires, he thought he knew where he was going. He thought he knew what he was doing, and he let go of the line, certain he could find his way out through the walls or finding another way for oxygen. And because he left his line, and because the windows, something he could not see, was boarded up, it was a senseless, tragic loss of fire, of a life. Such glaring differences between both fires. The first fire, they fought that fire for hours. Over 200 firefighters involved, evacuating thousands from their residence, propane explosions, heat that would melt siding off other houses, and yet not one loss of life. The Roma Coloring Company fire was a fire that was contained, mostly smoke. But you know what? There was only a couple of firefighters there, a couple of fire trucks. No police, no news media. They ran on a routine call. Every firefighter at the Kermel fire proceeded with caution. They were on high alert. But every fire that day of the Roma Color Company fire proceeded with just their experience behind them, leading them the way. They had become used to fighting this fire. And so now a lieutenant who knew better left his lifeline as he tried to find the fire, tried to whatever he was doing. We're not sure why, but he left that line and as a result lost his life. You see, the fire hose is the connection to the source. Without this fire hose connecting to the fire hydrant, which provided the water, this provided two sources for them. Number one, it helped them fight the fire. Number two, if you ever lost your way in a fire, you could use your hose and work your way back to the truck. But because Lieutenant Bernard had left the line, he no longer had anything to fight the fire with, and he also had nothing that would lead him back to the source of where he came from. You see, this fire hose is your prayer life. So I hate when people say, I'll, I'll go into hell with the squirt gun for you. You're an idiot. I'll go into hell with a fire hose and I will fight anything with prayer. But I'm not going to go fight anything off if I am not prayed up. If I do not have the Lord on my side, I'm not fighting anything for you. Because like, like Lieutenant Bernard, I could lose my life fighting your battle. And so here, this fire hose is your lifeline. If you're going to go against the enemy, you had better be prayed up. See, all prayer is, is communication. I know we, this seems so elementary to so many, but I think sometimes we forget the importance of prayer. How important it is to really communicate with God. How important it really is the words that you are speaking. But if I take you to Matthew 6, our opening text, it said... But thou, when thou prayest, enter thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for much speaking. Notice in 7, it says vain repetitions. The Hebrew, or rather the Greek word is batolos, which means stuttering. The ESV version, it's empty phrases. The NIV, it's babbling. Oftentimes, when you start your prayer journey, we're learning how to pray. It's no different than we have, uh, we have so many babies in this house, and here we have Judah. I mentioned this this morning. So Judah, as his dad is talking to him, as Pastor Kento is speaking, Judah is just blowing bubbles back and making noises. But that's appropriate for a baby. I can't tell you how many times my little Bella, which is sitting in the back, I've had so many conversations with Bella. Listen, we all do it. We all talk in our really high, cute little voice, saying what we really want to say, like, oh, you're so cute. I want to punch them. Oh, you're such a sweet baby. I can't stand them. And you just vent to the baby. Don't act like you've never done it. Don't act brand new right now, folks. Like, we've all talked to a baby in baby voice, and we're, like, we're just venting to our kids, right? Because they have no idea. They just understand tone. I can't tell you how many times Bella has looked back and blown bubbles at me and made weird noises, and we have a great time hanging out. But three years from now, if me and Bella are having a conversation and Bella's still blowing bubbles at me, making weird noises, there's a problem. It's the same thing in our walk with God. 
if we are still blowing bubbles and making weird noises back at the Lord, there's a problem in our walk with him. So we have to ask ourselves, as we are maturing in Christ, how is our prayer life? Are we really praying? Have we grown in prayer? Jesus gives us this example of how to pray. I'll keep an account, those that are in the room, for many of you, you have been praying and you've had a great prayer walk. You have a great prayer walk, but I know there are guests in this room and some that are now starting their journey. And so I, I take that into account and I'm going to read what they call, what is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, 9, and 13. It says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You start with praise and worship. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray for his will. Give us this day our daily bread. Pray for your needs. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I don't have the time to sit here and say that there is a time where you ought to confess your sins and ask him to forgive you. But scripture tells us as we forgive others. So if there is something in your heart with somebody else in this room or in your family or at work and you're trying to ask him to forgive you, you better put a pause on that and go make sure you are asking forgiveness for those around you that you have ought with because scripture is telling us that Lord forgive me as I forgive others. That's such an important concept for us to wrap ourselves around, our minds around that frame of thinking to say, hey, you know what? I might not have done something wrong to you. Maybe I did. If I have done something wrong, forgive me. But if I have not done something wrong and you're still offended at me, I can still be sorry you feel that way. So when the ball is always in your court, I can go to somebody and say, man, I should have never said that. I should have never done that. I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking. I didn't have the bandwidth. I apologize. Or there are times, I'm sorry you feel that way. My intention was never to do that. I'm sorry that's how you perceived it. Please forgive me. Clear yourself of somebody else's owing or debt and make sure you're clean with them and God and then he can forgive you. That's a whole nother message for a whole nother time. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Pray for protection and deliverance. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You end with worship. See, prayer is a part of your progression in faith. We talked about when you're a child, when you're a baby, it's okay to speak. Like right? Paul said, when I was a child, I, I acted like a child. I said things. I was childish. But man, as I grow up, I start to shift out of that childhood mentality. And so you can start off, and I, and I champion everybody in this room and celebrate. If you're praying five minutes a day and that's your capacity, I champion that. I celebrate you for praying for five minutes every single day. But there ought to come a time where you begin to grow in your faith and grow in your prayer. So this is what it could look like if I just started my walk with God and I'm praying. I can literally pray the Lord's Prayer in just a few minutes. Lord... I worship you. You are so incredible. Thank you for being an on-time God. Lord, I'm asking your will be done in my life. Lord, I'm asking that you give me lots of money. Lord, I confess my sin that I've been angered because you haven't given me all this money. So I've been very upset with you, so forgive me of my sins. But Lord, protect what I do have, and I worship you in the name of Jesus. That's a prayer, right? I, I communicated that. To, that's a prayer. Or... You could pray, Lord, I am so grateful for how sovereign you are, how you sit on the throne. There is nobody like you. You are the one true God. Nobody touches your wisdom. You are powerful, everlasting, faithful. Lord, I come to you right now, God, that's your will. Not what I'm not trying to build my own kingdom. I'm building a kingdom for you. Let my thoughts, let the way I spend my money, God, let it reflect who you are. That would build your kingdom and not my kingdom. God, I'm asking that you would touch the needs in my family right now. You know exactly exactly what they are. I want you to touch my family, touch my boys, touch my wife. God, give us direction in the season that we're in, Lord. I need you to help me through this, through this walk that I'm in now. God, if there is a sin that is separating me and you, then Lord, forgive that. If there are things that I've done that I, I haven't even noticed that I've done them, it's been unintentional, then God, I want you to forgive me of my sins. Help me walk through this. Help me not to have aught with my brother. Help me not to have something against my brother. God, I need you to protect me. Put a hedge around my family. Put a 
a hedge around our vehicles when we're going to work. Put a hedge around our household, our relationships, Lord. We need you to be at the forefront, the side and behind me. Because, Lord, I worship you because of who you are. You have been faithful through the years. You are the everlasting Father, the Almighty God, the Prince of Peace. You are so incredible and I'm grateful for who you are. Do you see the difference in that prayer? We have to learn how to pray. Communicating is learning. And so I challenge you today, if all you can do is pray for five minutes, how this year will we grow in prayer? How this year will you be able to grow in your relationship with him? Because part of our growth as followers of Jesus is to grow in prayer. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1 the disciples are with Jesus. Now it came to pass as he, was with, as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. You are taught to communicate. Go back to where you're in school, whatever your primary language, depending on where you were raised, you were taught how to communicate. Somebody taught you how to put sentence structures together, how to put paragraphs together. And we ought to keep learning. The disciples wanted us to learn how to pray. They gave us and asked for the blueprint. And here Jesus walks them through worship. Ask for your need. Don't just come in. Isn't it the worst thing? All, my parents, all the parents in here ought to know this. Isn't it the worst thing when you come home and all your kids give you a list of stuff they want? Right? Come home, it's like, oh, we need more money. Like, I feel like in my household, that is the sentence. I need more money. Like, can you, can you just deposit more money in my account? I, I need to go do this. So I got to take care of this. Hey, can you do that? I'm like, bro, ask me how I'm doing today. Let's talk about dad for two seconds before you ask me for all this stuff. How do you think the Lord feels when we come to a Monday night prayer meeting and we're saying, Lord, this is what I need. Here's my whole list of stuff that I need from you. But I haven't even thanked him or worshiped him. I haven't spent any time with him. And that comes with learning how to pray. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this much. I think it was a couple of, uh, it's been, it's been a few years um, with Monday night. I believe it started off a Thursday night prayer. Then we moved it to Monday. And I remember coming to these Monday night prayer meetings and um, they were powerful. We have some prayer warriors at First Church. We have people that know how to get a hold of God and know how to pray. But I remember being in the room and sometimes being overwhelmed because number one, there's about 20 of us in this room. Number two, there was no music, so it was really quiet. So if you wanted to confess your sin, you did it in your brain, not out loud, because everybody could hear you. Three, sometimes when, when, when God is moving and, and some would really go in, I wasn't ready to go in yet. I'm trying to get in. I've had a terrible day, a hard week, and it was difficult. And we noticed that there was a, a, a specific generation that was continually attending these prayer meetings. And I really felt God challenging us to open up prayer to reach all different generations, different demographics. And so maybe you've, maybe you've never understood why, but if you come to a Monday night prayer meeting, it looks a lot different than it used to three years ago. So we said, how are we going to reach this generation? Every generation, listen, this is an apostolic church. We are not changing our message. We're not changing our doctrine. We still believe in the oneness of God. We still sit the fence line where we're going to be modest and we're going to be clean. We're not changing any of that. But I will change a method to reach a generation. Every generation has a different method to being reached. Whether it's my generation, the generation behind me, or the generation in front of me. There are different methods to reaching different generations. And so I'll do whatever it takes to reach all generations at First Church. And so I remember having the conversation. We say, hey, you know what? We're going to introduce some lighting. We're going to dim the lights. We're going we're gonna to pray. It doesn't have to be super bright in here. I want some music. The first 10 minutes will be inspirational and direction. I want 40 minutes of prayer. And then after that, we can have 10 minutes of corporate, corporate worship together. We'll end together. We're going to stick to one hour. We respect people's times. They go to work. We're not trying to bury you in two hours. We're going to be on time. We're going to start on time. Well, we try. End on time. And we try. But I will say this. We went from 20 in prayer to there are times that there are more people at a Monday night prayer meeting than a service. We've had anywhere upwards to 150 people on a Monday night prayer meeting. Why? Because we are welcoming everybody. Whether you can only pray for five minutes or you can intercede, Monday night is a place for you to pray. It's a place for all of us to gather together and pray. And so here, we're being challenged where the disciples are saying, hey, teach us to pray. How do we pray? And so, matter of fact, not this Monday, but next Monday night, there's a book called Heaven to Earth. I've done that with some of you. 
And matter of fact, I've got Dina right here. Me and Dina went through that book for several weeks together learning how to pray. Let me show you how prayer works right now. Dina, for well over a year, kept praying for that man on the side of her, went through a book, kept praying, kept praying, kept praying, and look at the power of prayer. Her husband's sitting on the side of her right now because of somebody that was willing to pray when it seemed the darkest, it seemed the coldest, it didn't make sense, plenty of frustration, but yet she kept on praying. She learned how to craft prayers. We're going to walk through it's it's the book is really on the Old Testament tabernacle and how to pray through the Old Testament. We're going to do that together. Not this Monday night, but next Monday night. You'll want to be here. If you have not read that book, if you can get it tonight, order it tonight. You'll want to read as much as you can. It's an easy read, but it will challenge you to grow in prayer. I don't want to waste my time on all these other programs and ministries if we're not praying. That's why prayer is our anchor. We want everything we do here for a church to be centered and based on prayer. Talking to him. Not my kingdom, not my will, but your will be done. How do we reach Sterling Heights? How do we reach your family? How do we reach my family? It has to be based on prayer. But your words are powerful. That's why we're to be learning how to pray. Exercise your words. We did it just a few minutes, that, just a few moments ago, that exercise of praying the Lord's Prayer. And, and you can zip through it or you can park there. And you can start praying and being so intentional with the words that you are using. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 says, Where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The enemy here is referred to as the prince of the air. I don't have time to walk you through the, the, the three heavens, right? This is a heaven when you look at the skies where this is the first heaven, the second heaven, galaxies, planets. Third heaven is heaven. And there are plenty of scriptures that when you pray, your words go up as a memorial. They are going up into the third heaven. Matter of fact, there's a war between Michael and the angel as prayers are made and, and now angels are coming down and they're fighting in the second heaven. I don't have time for all that. But what I'm trying to tell you is your words matter in prayer. That's why it's important that you're praying and that you're learning how to go deeper in prayer. But oftentimes we look at the enemy and give him more power than he should have. Well, he's the prince of the air. That's royalty. Well, I think it's important for us to understand the context of how this was written. And in Roman culture, when you look at what a prince is, the Greek word is arkunda. And arkunda means ruler or chief. And in, in that time, the Romans, the only way you could be a chief or a ruler, two ways. Either, either elected by a higher power. There's only one higher power here, and that's God, right? There's nobody above him. There's nobody beside him. Everything is below him. We serve an amazing God that can't be trumped, that can't be challenged, that isn't swayed, that doesn't change his mind. He's the same yesterday, today. Anybody believe this stuff with me this morning? He's the same yesterday, today, forever, the almighty God. He is the only one that can put someone or something in power. And the other way, the people. So that tells me that you have the authority to give Satan authority. You have the power to put Satan on the throne. So the decision is up to you on who you're going to empower in your life. Are you going to empower one kingdom or the other? Whose kingdom are you going to empower? It is up to you, which is why we have to pray. We must put God on the throne and not this prince of the air. But all too often we give way too much credit to the enemy and not enough credit to yourself. We give him all this credit of what he can do. But when the church realizes the authority it has in its prayer, then you can shake all of hell. You can then go into hell and fight whatever you want because you realize the authority that you have when you begin to articulate and begin to share and talk to him with what you are feeling. But some of us have stopped growing in prayer. Well, what do you mean? Well... Go back to the first time you bought a house for some of you that purchased a home. Remember when you were purchasing your first home, maybe selecting your first apartment? What did we do? Lord, I want it to be the right school system. God, it's, God just help me to get a house that can, I can build a family with. Help me to get a house in the right location. We really want to live uh, right around these mile markers. This is the city I would like to live, Lord. And as soon as you purchased that home, what did we do? 
Look at what he did. And we'll post and we'll share and we'll celebrate that God helped us purchase that home or that vehicle, whatever it is. Am I right? What about the second, third, or fourth house? Second, third, fourth vehicle. What do you normally hear now? We did a thing, right? Hand out the keys. We did a thing this weekend. We, d- we did this together. Look at what we did. No longer do you hear anything about God. Why is that? It's the same thing as Lieutenant Bernard and those firefighters. You get history behind you. Remember, something that started off in prayer, good decisions that were made. We talked about this lifeline being prayer. This is the center of our prayer. It all goes back to him. This this lifeline is your prayer life. This lifeline is what connects you to him. This is where it all started was here in prayer with him. God, I need you to rescue me out of mess. I, I need you right now, God. We were right here at the foot of the cross praying. And so what did we do? We've made some good decisions through prayer. And then all of a sudden, what happens? All of a sudden, you forget. We start relying on the decisions we made, history. Just like they did at the Roma fire. Man, I've seen this blaze before. It's just a smoke fire. We'll just get in there. We'll knock it out, guys, and we'll be back. We'll be back at the, at the firehouse in no time. And we make these decisions and all of a sudden now we stopped praying and God is asking us, I want you to talk to me. I want you to pray with me. This can't be the same. This can't be a year where repeating last year's patterns, same behaviors as last year, repeating the same cycles over and over again. Somewhere in life, we began relying on our own experience and not on him, just like those firefighters. But what if we approached all the situations Like we did those fires. What if every situation was like the Kermil fire? Every temptation or decision that you faced with, man, wouldn't it be sweet? I'll I'll be so transparent. I remember as a kid, like, listen, I was a teenager, just like all of you and some of you are and were. And I wished, because I was always afraid, the fear, (laughs) I don't want to go into all that. So I just remember being afraid of going to hell, which was like, Especially in high school, like especially before communion, I'm telling you, like December 31st, I was the prayer warrior for sure in our youth group because I was so afraid of going to hell for anything I did the whole year that I forgot to repent because, right, some people had passed when they take communion. Like we'll get into that in a few weeks when we actually discuss and teach on communion. But I remember I said, God, why can't you just let us know if we're going to heaven or hell? And this is like my mental picture. And I asked him to do this. I was like, wouldn't it be really cool, God? True prayer. I'll never forget this. This is a true story. I was like, wouldn't it be really cool, God, if there was like, you ever see, who here watches football? Anybody watch football? See, you ever see the quarterback, like they've got all their plays like on their arm? I really wish that there was like this flap on your skin. I promise you, this was my thoughts. So you can laugh, but that's all you can do. I remember like, God, I wish I could just open this flap, and if I was going to hell, it would say 666. If I was going to heaven, it would say 777. That way I know if I got to repent some more or figure some stuff out, like I literally prayed that and wanted that to happen. Like I just wanted to make sure I was right. So wouldn't it be great if next time a job offer is presented or there is a relationship that you're chasing or there is something that you're trying to purchase and just like the Kermill fire, when you pull up to that decision, you can see smoke from 30 miles away. You can see embers of fire as soon as you come over the horizon. There are policemen yelling at you and telling you to slow down. There are people asking you to evacuate the situation. Wouldn't it be great if every horrible decision we've ever made could have been avoided if somebody just told us this is a bad idea? But all too often, church, it's like the Roma coloring fire. What, what happened there? They pulled up, and what did they do? They assessed the exterior of the building. They could see the glass because of the reflection, but they didn't know the windows were boarded up. There was no police. There was no city officials. There were no 200 firefighters, no 28 fire trucks, just a couple of fire trucks with a couple of guys that thought we've done this before. And all too often in life, that's what it is like, is we walk into something thinking we've already been here and done that, and we forget That prayer is what got us here at the beginning. But somewhere in life, we've started relaxing on our prayer life. Started holding back on God. Didn't invest the time into growing in the relationship. But here we're transitioning from 23 to 24. The fire hose is your lifeline. 
I know we say that prayer is our anchor all the time. I have half a mind to change it to prayer is your lifeline. I get it. We're anchored. This will make every decision. But if you keep with prayer, this is your lifeline into every season of life. Everything that you're trying to do, if you'll hold on to prayer and develop in prayer, I promise you the situations you encounter, you can be saved and you can save so much heartache if you would just rely and trust in prayer. But what's, what happens is our natural man outgrows the spiritual man. Do you know that your prayer life can be a hindrance to you? Sounds countercultural. How can my prayer life be a hindrance to me? If I'm not praying enough, how can God open the door for you? If I'm not being in prayer, how will God trust me with more? This is Imagine Sunday. 24, I'm, I'm hoping everyone looks at their finances, looks at your family plan, you're planning what you're trying to do this year. But God can't honor us financially. Listen, if you committed to Let's Imagine, I'm just going to be 100% raw with you right now, and then I'll get off this kick. But if, if, if you haven't been faithful with Let's Imagine in this season, why should God trust you with more money? You made a vow to him. Why would he trust you with more money? If you weren't faithful with the relationships you have, why would he trust you with healthy relationships? If you're not prayerful, why would he trust you with more? We keep asking him for more, but what we steward, we don't even steward well sometimes. We need to be stewarding with what's in our hands so he can trust us with more instead of getting frustrated. If we would pray ourselves through something, we wouldn't have to pray ourselves out of something. We need to be in prayer. The Bible talks about be instant in season, out of season prayer. What does that mean? That doesn't mean we all quit our jobs, go home and just pray all day. This is why I am, I am listen, we, uh, there was a bunch of us that went out last night and uh, we're at a restaurant and like, listen, I'm a 90s dude. Now, born in 79, but like, man, I'm a 90s, early 2000s guy, right? That was like, you know how some people peak in high school? Like, I didn't peak there, but man, those were some dope decades, right? Like, the 90s were it. Y'all are dressing like the 90s. We know it's cool. So we're at, we're at, we're at this restaurant, and like, all the 90s music is hitting, and man, like, I don't care what you're talking. As soon as you hear some bass lines, you're just like, you're looking for the speaker, right? All right, be super spiritual. I'll be truthful. I mean, I'm hearing for that bass line, right? But I'll be honest, as I started maturing, there are some things, I'll just give you this for free, this isn't in my notes. Be careful of what you're listening to. If you know all the lyrics to the trash music today and you can't quote a scripture, or you don't know any of the worship songs we're singing, it's a problem. How can I keep praying through the day? Easy. When I'm in my vehicle and I'm listening to a podcast that is related to him, talking about him, or I'm listening to worship music, you know what happens in the vehicle? My, my brain starts traveling. All of a sudden now, there are people in this room that pop in my mind, and I start to pray over them, start to pray over you, pray over my family. I start speaking things into faith because I'm stirred with what I'm listening to. So I'm not just worried about, am I going to pray in the morning? I am peppering my day with prayer. I am going through my whole day with prayer because I'm so intentional. So if you are not investing in what you're listening to, be careful because somewhere along the lines, you're going to let prayer down. You're going to relax on your prayer life. And all of a sudden, you're going to find yourself in situations that you never thought you would be in. But your, your natural man can outgrow the spiritual man. Let's go back to the very beginning where you started in your walk with him. And here we are at the foot of the cross, and we're in a mess, and we're saying, God, I, I just can't do this anymore without you. I need you. We need a healing here. Do you believe in the power of prayer when we're at the cross and we're praying? Let's exercise that right now. I want us all to raise our hands. Let's begin to pray over Ann and Mark Curtis right now. Let's exercise this prayer thing right now. God, use your words. Stretch your mind. Lord, I'm asking you right now. These are faithful people that have come into this house, but right now they need a miracle. They need something, God, that doesn't seem conceivable to them. They have faith, but it doesn't look like from what the doctors are saying is possible. But Lord, we just sang about the impossible with you. And so, Lord, I'm asking that the faith that is in this room transfer to their living room right now. And Lord, that not just for the healing of Ann, but God, I want you to touch Mark's mind. Strengthen this man to know that he is not alone. I know oftentimes we are praying for the one that is in sickness, the one that, is, that has bad prognosis. But God, we know that on the other side is the spouse that is fighting it on his own or her own. It can seem so lonely, God. And so, Lord, I'm asking you right now, as we stand at the foot of the cross with our prayer in our hand, God, submitting that to you right now, touch 
that couple right now in their living room in the name of Jesus. Why don't you think and declare there's a healing. Declare that there's something, whether it's in the body or it's in heaven, one way or another, that the miracle will happen there. But you have to understand why it's so important to learn how to pray. Because I can stand right here when I first started my walk with God. And man, I was praying because I knew I couldn't do it without him. So then what happened? As I started to mature and continue my walk, I'm taking my lifeline with me. I'm still praying. I'm trusting God. I'm walking into a new season. I'm walking on another, uh, another playing field. It's a new level. And so here I find myself, and I've got some history now of some answered prayers and some wins in the column, right? Anybody here have some answered prayers? You've seen the miracles of God. You've seen what he can do. So I've walked here, but then all of a sudden, I let go of prayer. Everything seems to be going fine. I'm, I'm doing all right. But life keeps progressing. I keep walking. Then all of a sudden, what happens? I find myself in a situation. I said, God, how did I get here? What's my way out? What am I doing here? How did I get here? Because somewhere along the line, I left prayer behind me. I left my connection behind me. So what connected me to him is no longer there. And remember, when before, when I'm walking through the season of life, wherever I point that hose, it's extinguishing the enemy. I can fight the enemy off. I don't care if it's above me, sideways, behind me. It doesn't matter. I'm carrying prayer with me everywhere I go. But now that I have left prayer behind, I'm no longer developing my prayer life. All of a sudden now, what am I doing? I'm out here on my, that's why scripture says my grace is sufficient for you. You ever hear that scripture? Oftentimes, this is why meddling in somebody else's mess is not your calling. His grace is sufficient for you. He didn't say to take up somebody else's issues. This is free. Y'all, you hear me out? He didn't ask you to take somebody else's problems on. He asked you, his grace was sufficient for you. So oftentimes we find ourselves in a position where we no longer feel the grace of God and we don't feel the protection of God. Why? Because we started meddling in somebody else's problems and all of a sudden the grace isn't for you because you've operated out of character, out of capacity, what you should be doing. And all of a sudden now I haven't prayed. I've taken on somebody else's issues. And all of a sudden now here I am fighting all by myself asking God, where am I? And then we question, I can't believe I haven't seen them in three years. I haven't seen them in three months. What happened? They were so strong. Somewhere along the line, they dropped their lifeline. They dropped what they were going. And listen, if we're going to move to 2024 and we're not going to repeat some of the same behaviors and same patterns, the Lord is saying, okay, what are you going to do? What's your prayer life going to look like? What am I going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pick up that prayer line. I'm picking up this lifeline. And all of a sudden, where my max capacity, where I could only go, this is as far as I could go. But now that I'm praying and I'm developing my prayer life, all of a sudden I'm walking into new seasons. I'm walking into a new dimension. I can go further than I've ever gone before. I'm going places I never thought I could go. Why? Because I started praying again. I held on to some things and let go of some things. But the one thing I can't let go of is prayer. The one thing I can't let go of is this lifeline. Because I can fight the enemy all day. I can point it. I can go wherever I want to. Because I've got prayer with me. I can fight anything. And if I ever lose my way, what can I do? Oh, no problem. Let me find myself back to the king. Let me walk back to the beginning. Let me walk back to the king of kings. Let me get back here where it all started. Because I don't want to be like Lieutenant Bernard and lose my way. Because I decided to leave the prayer line behind somewhere. Left it behind. But God is saying, if you're going to go deeper, if you are going to walk with me to another dimension, you have to pray. You have to develop your prayer life. You can't just do this on your own anymore. I'm coming to a close. How will God honor us if we stop praying? How can God honor us if we've been walking with him for any amount of time and never spent the time developing our prayer life? 21 days of prayer and fasting. How are you, how am I developing my prayer life today? 
How am I investing my time into the kingdom with my words? We know the words are powerful. We know that they are memorial that go up. It's an altar that is built. The words that you use, I don't want to be, I don't want to be Lieutenant Bernard. How sad was it after the investigator, fire chief and the fire investigator, they went through that mill. How sad was it when they saw Bernard's hands, Lieutenant Bernard, they could see his hands scraping the wall looking for a window. But there were no windows to to break through. Oxygen running low on his tank. Many of you know this, but my wife and I went through a, a total house fire a couple of years ago. And I remember, this gives me a little bit of context, what it would be like to be Lieutenant Bernard. I remember sitting at the front door, wide open. The flames were blazing. It was so hot that I couldn't even scream our dog's name to get her out. I remember having to look the complete opposite way, inhale as much as I could, get as much oxygen so I could turn, put my head into the doorway to scream our dog's name. And as soon as that oxygen was out, I couldn't breathe again. Had to back out of the doorway, inhale as deep as I could, back into the doorway, and I played this game of losing oxygen and gaining oxygen. Couldn't imagine what Lieutenant Bernard felt that day, knowing he had left his lifeline. Couldn't find oxygen anywhere. What looked to be an ordinary call was the last place he would ever think would take his life. What should have been a standard call ended up changing his family's life and ended his life. I want us to stand. Today in this room, there are some of us that have developed our prayer life. And where God's trying to lead you into 24 is going to take you adding on some more hose and going deeper in, in his walk. It's going to take you adding some more hose to go into territories and claim territories that you thought you could never do. It's going to take us. But some of us have left our lifeline on the ground. And when that fire chief and that investigator, they found between the hand marks on the wall and where the hose left on the ground, Lieutenant Bernard passed away not even six feet away from the hose. Could you imagine what you have been praying for your whole life? Could you imagine what you've been struggling and fighting for years? If you gave up too soon and left the line behind and lost your miracle, never saw your son or daughter come back, never saw your spouse come back, never saw the healing that you thought you could have had or somebody could have had. Why? Because I left the line behind because I thought I knew where I was. I, I was familiar with the season I was in because of repeated patterns that we have lived in the past. We think we can just kind of wing it again. I, I'll fumble my way through it. And Lieutenant Bernard thought that day he could fumble his way through those walls and find that hose one more time. And that was the last time running out of oxygen. Last time his family ever saw him. Why? Because we left the line behind. What would it be, Isaac and Abraham? As Abraham is going up, having to sacrifice his son. What if Abraham just gave up and stopped the climb just a few feet too short? And here God provides this ram, this lamb in the thicket. That was the sacrifice for his boy. What if Abraham would have sacrificed his boy just a few feet earlier, too soon, and there the miracle was on the other side? What if Dina stopped praying and said, I don't want to read these books anymore because I can't find the answers. God's not listening to me. But yet Dina kept praying and kept praying and kept studying, kept deepening her walk, and now she could come up here and hold her husband's hand and they can pray together. They can be together. What would it be? There's enough miracles in this room for you to believe in the power of prayer. What would it be that we've been praying for someone? Many of you know Jay Bourne. I, I remember when, when Rachel was getting married and we didn't even know if dad was going to make the wedding. We, we, didn't, we had no idea. We thought dad wasn't even going to make the wedding. But the power of prayer, 
They're about to have their third baby and grandpa gets to hold his babies. Why? Because of prayer. Prayer works. Prayer works. Prayer works. Oh, come on, somebody. You've been fighting something for so long. Did you leave the line behind? There ought to be somebody in this room that comes running up here and saying, God, I can't go into 24 without prayer. I can't go and relive the past without prayer. I got to pick up the line. I've got to add some line. I'm going to places nobody believed I could go. But I'm taking prayer with me.